Hi, welcome to this Subway ad for the new Chibata collection. How do you want it? Ooh, I'll take the slam poetry. Sure. <clears throat> Italian Chibata with fresh mozzarella. When hunger reigns, you're my flavor umbrella. Tasty garlic steak and provolone. With you, my taste buds are never alone. Savory chicken pesto, you have my affection. For you complete the Chibata collection. Thank you. Get them before they're gone at Subway. Limited time only at participating restaurants. This is Movie Fighters, the show where Chris Sims and I, Matt Wilson, we watch movies and we beat them up. We are continuing our series of, I guess we'll just call them Conan ripoff. Hi, welcome to this Subway ad for the new Chibata collection. How do you want it? Ooh, I'll take the slam poetry. Sure. Italian ciabatta with fresh mozzarella. When hunger reigns, you're my flavor umbrella. Tasty garlic steak and provolone. With you, my taste buds are never alone. Savory chicken pesto, you have my affection. For you complete the ciabatta collection. Thank you. Get them before they're gone at Subway. Limited time only at participating restaurants. <laughs> I mean, I guess we can. It's 2814. <laughs> <laughs> 2814 happening. There's got to be a better name than uh, Co-Knots. Something. Co-Knots is pretty good. Okay, what I need you to do is uh, we're going to do this like 2008 style, like 2009 style. Uh, hashtag it Co-Knots or hashtag 2814. I got it. Okay. No Nans. No Nans is pretty good. No, no, no Nans. So, last time on the show, we watched the classic Beastmaster. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. This time around, we are going to be watching a movie that many of our listeners were very eager to tell us was a Mystery Science Theater movie. It is, in fact, not a Mystery Science Theater movie. No, it's the... Whatever you call a prequel that actually comes first, like it's yes, it's the first in the series that would give us a mystery science theater movie. That's right. The it's the second movie in the Ator series, Ator Two, L'Invincible Orion, that would become Cave Dwellers and be a mystery science theater three thousand movie. This movie, Ator the Fighting Eagle, also Ator L'Invincible. Ator the Invincible mm-hmm. in Italian, because it is an Italian film. That is the movie we're going to be watching. Do you think we're going to get some Giallo stuff in here, Matt? I sincerely doubt it. You know I don't like it. I very much doubt that this will be anything akin to Giallo. <laughs> Do you think Ator is going to be on sets that are slightly too large to uh, infantilize him and make him seem helpless? I do not believe that that's what is going to happen. 
Are you surprised that I know even that much about Dario Argento? No, I'm not that surprised. <laughs> I realize that now that even though you don't like horror movies, you seem to have some kind of fascination with them. And that's fine and cool. I mean, it's not like I just it's not like I just decided one day that I didn't like them. I had to, you know, I I had to give it all a shot. Sure, and that's not a that's not a bad thing. So anyway, Dario Argento's Ator is what we're watching today. Dario Argento, not the director. The director of this movie is a gentleman by the name of Joe D'Amato, a uh, Roman director who made quite the career out of making low-budget, what you might call rip-off cinema, and mm-hmm. also sub-USA Up All Night exploitation kind of movies. Uh, like, here, here's a, here's a few uh, titles for you of some of his films. Erotic Nights of the Living Dead. <laughs> <laughs> there is no, no movie is actually called that. Here's some more. A Barrel Full of Dollars. No. A Fistful of Death. Oh. This both sound very good, actually. He made a movie called Canzoni in Bikini. Okay. He made a number of Emmanuel films. Ah, of course, Emmanuel. But he didn't didn't do Emmanuel in space. He did not do Emmanuel in Space. I believe that came much later. Of all the Emmanuel films, that is the one most likely to show up on Movie Fighters. Uh, he made one movie between Ator the Fighting Eagle and Ator 2, The Invincible Orion. That movie is called Caligula, The Untold Story. <laughs> he's going to get some of these, uh, the, the new information that's going around about Caligula? I feel like we had all the information we needed. I feel like we had this. He's really trying to seize on the popularity of the Malcolm McDowell film Caligula. Matt, he made he made a movie called Midnight Gigolo. Oh, this is all very good. Absolute king of schlock cinema. His final film was called Sexy Pirates. And when was that? When was that? That was in 1998. Okay, and what's it about? Uh, you know, I couldn't tell you. <laughs> uh, Matt, before we move on, I do want to go back to something that you just said. Uh, you said that uh, these movies were of, quote, sub-USA up all night quality. And I do just want to say that I think it's dangerous for you to suggest that USA up all night had any standards. Oh, sure. Well, I, I guess I wouldn't say. They were from a different time. <laughs> Because these are mostly movies from the 70s and 80s. USA Up All Night, I think of as like 90s bikini car wash movies across the board, right? Yeah, I mean, pretty. they were pretty – they relied pretty heavily on the bikini car wash oeuvre. Let's say if Cinemax had ex- existed, they might have shown Erotic Nights of the Living Dead. What if, Matt – I'm going to throw this out there. What if our follow-up to No Nans – which I love, is movie fighters up all night, and we watch and we and we find the movies that were on USA up all night and give them a watch. If we can find those movies streaming, definitely we will do it. And it has to be. We have to record. We have to record, and you have to listen at one a.m. 
<laughs> right after a new episode of uh, Pacific Blue. Ooh, or Silk Stalkings. Yes. So, Ator isn't exactly in Joe D'Amato's typical wheelhouse, right? He made softcore porn. <laughs> if even softcore. I don't know how, the, how, how intense those Italian movies got. And horror movies... Ator is straight up referred to on Wikipedia as a mockbuster of Conan the Barbarian. You wait, like intentionally or no? I mean, I mean, uh, sorry, I was thinking mockumentary, mockbuster like the Asylum films, like like Transmorphers. Yes, and and the 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 time the timing checks out on that. Uh, Conan came out in early ish nineteen eighty two. It was released in Europe in March of 1982. Ator came out in November of, or I'm sorry, October of that same year, which is plenty of time for a movie the quality of Ator to be made and released. <laughs> How close do you think this movie got to being called Conan a Barbarian? Probably pretty close. I mean, the, the original title is Ator the Invincible. Which follows that Conan the Barbarian naming convention. Ator the Fighting Eagle became its English title, I think, to avoid any kind of legal issues. Because this is pre-home video, right? Mm-hmm. So it's not even trying to like seize on that home video market. It's just trying to get people to come see a movie. <laughs> yeah, I mean, early, like, 82 would have been, like... I mean, I'm sure this made it into some some video stores. Like, I'm, I'm sure it was on the shelf right next to uh, to Conan in the in the action adventure. So, in fact, in fact, Matt, we might have to check this math because uh, you and I are fans of the VHS era as an aesthetic, as an idea, mm-hmm. as as nostalgia. I think it would have been just a little too early for it to be for them to be thinking of it like this. But surely there had to be some consideration to the fact that Ator comes before Conan. So if you were looking for a sword and sorcery movie, whether it was like whether you were a programmer at a TV station or whether you were going to the video store or whether you were like, you know, booking movies for a second run theater, uh, you would come across Ator first in the action adventure category. Yeah, the, that does make a good bit of sense. So VHS tapes were available by this time, but they weren't necessarily widely they they weren't they hadn't fully penetrated home use yet. You know, like much, much like Emmanuel. <laughs> very good. Um, and and as uh, to my knowledge, um, the, the 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 format wars were still going on with Beta. Yeah. Um at the, around this time. So we weren't too far away from the video store being a regular thing. But I think it's maybe just a little too early for it. Like a couple years later would have been when they were reaching their heights of home video. Yeah, I would have said like if this was 85, I would have said this was absolutely made to go to to to, to Sycamore Video. Uh, down on McCray's Mill Road, uh, but but eighty two seems like they would still be considering like the like the the Grindhouse Cinema. Yeah, that's what I would that's what I would be thinking. 
Um, okay, before we get into watching A Tour of the Fighting Eagle, which I'm not sure there's much more to to say about it. I mean, we could read Amazon's. I think we did this on our last episode, but we could read the Amazon uh, summary of this because it is available to stream on Amazon Prime. Yes, by all means, I would I would encourage you to do so. Uh, here we go, Matt. With training and guidance from a man named Griba, Ator, son of Torin, learns of his heritage and purpose in life. To defeat the Spider King, he goes to the Temple of the Ancient One to avenge the deaths of his fellow villagers and rescue his sister from the evil Dakar and his spider cult. Uh, starring Laura Gemser. We- Laura Gemser gets top billing on here. Miles O'Keefe. Who plays the titular Ator. Yeah, second build. It's one hour, 31 minutes. Very hype about that piece of information. Yes. That is a that is a good runtime. I will read the two sentences under reception on Wikipedia right now. Variety described the film as dull, incredibly silly fantasy adventure, and that the director creates no atmosphere with p- the picture's exteriors never achieving any period feel. So I'm ready to see some very 1980s-looking sets. I'm hoping more for incredibly silly than dull. What is... Okay, but, like, what period is he looking for? It's, like, it's made up. And then the second sentence is, the Canadian magazine FFWD stated that there are four ATOR movies in total, and each one is staggeringly awful. (laughs) We should have jumped right to four and watched them in reverse order, but this is the one we found on Amazon. Uh, The uh, the two other ATOR movies are Iron Warrior... Mm-hmm. And Quest for the Mighty Sword. Quest for the Mighty Sword was released in 1990. Can we just say that, like, every single thing in these movies is like, yeah, yeah, I'll go back and figure out what it's called later. Yeah, it's the it's a it's a spider. It's the Mighty Sword. It's he's the I don't know his dad's name is like Torin. I don't know. I'll go back. Yeah, it's the Temple of the Ancient One. This is like your first D and D campaign. I'm into it, though. FYI, Quest for the Mighty Sword was also released as Ator 3 the Hobgoblin, Just the Hobgoblin, Troll 3, What? And The Lord of Akili. Okay, okay. Hang on, Matt, we might have to call an audible and kick it right over to Ator 3 if we can, uh, if if that bad boy is on here. I do not know if Ator 3 is available anywhere to stream. We we could make it our next movie if, uh, If we can find it. But I think for now, we're going to have to watch the original Ator the Fighting Eagle. Hey, Matt. Yes. Um, I need you to do me a favor. Go to Amazon.com. I am there now. Okay. Would you, would you just search for Ator all categories? Got Ator the Fighting Eagle. Uh Uh-huh. We've got riff tracks of Ator the Fighting Eagle. I was aware that that existed. Right, right. Uh, some more Ator the Fighting Eagle on DVD. Uh, what's the okay. fifth item? Yeah, okay. there we go. <laughs> so it's not just me. Wanted to make sure. <laughs> Great. Great. Let's just say that it is a an item that you can buy uh, made of waterproof silicone. Mm-hmm. And uh, there are two occasions of a word in the name of this mm-hmm. item. And both times they are purposely misspelled because I guess Amazon probably bans that word. Yeah. It's called a <laughs> masturator <laughs> uh, and a, a mass hyphen turb hyphen ator, which is how it's showing up. It's for stress. 
Uh, I gotta say, it's thirteen ninety nine, which is very cheap. What a deal! All right, Chris. With that, it's time for the hottest segment in all of podcasting: snack situation. My friend, what are you snacking on for Ator? Uh, well, I'm not snacking on it yet, but I will say, right before I got up to come in here and do do the podcast with you, Matt, uh, I wasn't sure what I was going to get. We still got some Girl Scout cookies left over. We got, I got the uh, Ecuadorian snacks that were sent to us. Very good. That will be uh, on a, an episode of Snack Situation soon. We're going to be in the same place two weekends in a row in March, so I'm assuming we're going to do that for Snack Situation. Something I, with that. I can't wait for you to take me out for a nice steak dinner while you eat uh, cinnamon Oreos. But <laughs> but I will say, like, when I got up to do the podcast, Aiden was in the kitchen, and I was like, hey, what are you doing? And she goes, making brownies. So that's what we're doing at 8.30 at night. So I'm anticipating some fresh brownies to okay. help me get through a tour. So what I'm doing for my snack situation is a little mini taste test. Mm-hmm. Which might actually this could end up on the snack situation listuation. I okay. think. Okay. Because it is a it is a novel snack item. I'll say at the very least. So this is technically the movie fighters for February. February is a month of candy because we have Valentine's Day in the month. It uh, also happens to be the month of my wife Marlene's birthday. Happy birthday, Marlene, the co-host of uh, Ghost of a Chance. That's right. The hottest podcast in the world of supernatural podcasting. My family isn't sure what somebody Marlene's age likes, so <laughs> a lot of times they get her candy. Uh-huh. They get her candy, and um, sometimes it's good, and sometimes it's fucking weird. And... They got something fucking weird this time. I know Marlene is not going to eat these probably, so I have grabbed this bag. First of all, let me say, it comes in a resealable bag, even though everything inside it is individually wrapped. That's a weird thing to begin with. That's a very weird thing. That's like, that's like the weirdest possible thing you could have said, Matt. What these are called are Krispy Kreme Donut Coffee Thins. Oh, I've had those. The Edible Coffee Treat. Yeah, I've had those. Those are actually quite good. Okay, well, I'm going to try them. They come in three varieties. Since you've tried them, we could definitely rank them on the snack situation listuation. I actually had them. Um, we're going to be doing uh, SC Comic Con later on this year down in yep. uh, Greenville, South Carolina. Um, I, next month, in fact. Yeah, the, the coming up right in, in, in March. Uh, and I, the, the hotel we would stay at was right across the street from a Krispy Kreme. So of course, uh, me and, um, Mr. Mr. C Bowers would just go buck wild. Sure. Uh, but I picked up some of the, uh, coffee thins there and, uh, they were, they, I really enjoyed them as a, a coffee treat. All right. I have three flavors. Mm-hmm. Original glazed flavor, which I guess is regular Krispy Kreme coffee. Mm-hmm. Well, that sounds like it, it tastes like an original glazed Krispy Kreme donut. I'm going to see how that turns out. Okay. Uh, ca- caramel macchiato mm-hmm. and cappuccino. Ooh, fancy. So I will be trying these, and we will see how they are after we come back from the movie. 
You can watch Ator the Fighting Eagle along with us on Amazon. It is on Amazon Prime. Will we find its sequels? Maybe. Uh, I do not believe they are on Amazon Prime, so we'll have to find them elsewhere if we're going to watch them. Either way, we are going to watch the movie. You're going to hear a musical interlude and an ad, and we're going to come back to talk about Ator, the Fighting Eagle. And we are back from watching what is apparently not Ator, but Ator, the Fighting Eagle. They start saying his name about, I'd say about half an hour into the movie. And it, it is all over the map, the pronunciation. Some, t- some people say Ator, some people say Arthur. At one point we were pretty sure it was Arthur. <laughs> yeah. Somebody was saying. Uh, before we get to the movie, though, I want to talk about these, these coffee thins. Mm-hmm. Which I, I did not give you a crucial piece of information that I thought you knew. Uh, I did not know that they were actually, like, caffeinated. Yeah, they're coffee. They're coffee treats. I thought they were chocolate. So I was eating them thinking that they were going to taste like chocolate. Um, there's kind of no chocolate flavor to them at all. Yeah, dog, they taste like coffee. They taste like coffee. I'm going to go from worst to best in my ranking. Okay. Original glazed, not good. Tastes like a bitter, like, cup of regular coffee from Krispy Kreme, which I, oh, I'm... Froggy Fresh. Yes, like Froggy Fresh now, but I'm, I'm not, like, a big fan of Krispy Kreme's coffee, to be honest. Okay. Uh, next is Cappuccino, which is, has a milder flavor. Uh, a little better. Certainly the best of the bunch was Caramel Macchiato. Yeah, that's the kind I've had before, and I thought it was um, uh, quite good. Had a nice sweetness to it. Not bad. It is infinitely hilarious to me that you did not know they were caffeinated. Because as we hinted at, we did start recording at 8.30 at night. Yeah. So it is now 10.24. Matt has had the equivalent of about five cups of coffee. I don't think it's that much. I think it's maybe... That's probably not. It's probably like maybe two cups. cups two cups max. One and a half, probably, but still. Yeah. Do you, do, you know, do you like to drink coffee at night, Matt? You tend to get up pretty early. I do not usually drink coffee at night. I will have a soda at night rarely. You but, do love soda. But I, I thought it was just going to be the amount of caffeine that's in chocolate, you know? Not yeah, the amount of no. caffeine that's in coffee. No, you biffed that one, buddy. All right. You really biffed it. Maybe we'll Speaking rank- of people who biffed it. <laughs> Joe D'Amato, director of Ator the Fighting Eagle. Yeah, like literally everyone in this picture just okay. biffed it right, right out. Okay, here's the deal. We saw in the Amazon trivia for this movie that it was hastily shot, direct, shot edited, and, and released – to cash in on Conan. <laughs> you don't say. Yeah. And it does have some of the the genre tropes of Conan, but somehow I'd say it has all the genre tropes of Conan with some with some additions, but somehow it has the exact plot of Beastmaster. Yes. It's 
It's pretty straight up Beastmaster. Okay, let's go through all the similarities with Beastmaster. And then okay, we'll get well, we'll get to the differences. We we do see his birth, which is unpleasant. We see his birth. We know that there's a prophecy that oh, says hella prophecy that says the son of a particular figure in in this particular case it's what toron it toron which yes. is spelled like i mean we'll get to it but the captions for this bad boy are all over the friggin map so the son of a particular figure is going to by prophecy kill the high priest mm-hmm. the powerful high priest and therefore the high priest wrecks a village that he hears that that child is in. Yeah, which I believe also happens in Conan. Yeah, that's... Like, Thulsa Doom just rolls up. That's across the board. Like, evil high priest across the board for all these movies. Evil high priest, check. Present and accounted for. In this movie, it is the high priest of the spider, Dakar, who is playing the character Dakar. (laughs) Yeah, um, my man is in the credits as Dakar, and then refers to him like like the actor is in the credits as Dakar, and then refers to himself as Dakar in the film. Uh, let me read you this from Wikipedia. Fearing this pro- prophecy, the leader of the cult, high priest of the ancient one, Dakar (parentheses Dakar) <laughs> attempts Bananas. to kill the baby. <laughs> That's like if that's like if Thulsa Doom's name was James Earl Jones. Okay, so the child is taken to a village where he is raised as a member of that village. That also happens in Beastmaster. Uh, also gets a, uh, a little animal buddy. Uh, in Ator's case, it's a little baby bear. Very cute. Very High cute. point of the film. Gonna go ahead and spoil it now. I put a film that baby bear. He was very that cute. Baby bear was every time I saw him, I was like, "Oh, that baby bear's cute." Little baby bear, love him, love that little baby bear. But but yes, he only gets one animal companion instead of the three. And uh, mm-hmm. there's definitely a tiger on the poster for it. Ator the Fighting Eagle. False advertising. Yeah, well, the movie's also called Ator the Fighting Eagle, which is also not not quite right. Yes. Uh, After growing up, our hero meets a warrior woman. Mm -hmm. In this case, her name is Rune. R-O-O-N. R-O-O-N. In Beastmaster, it's Kiri. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. There is a romance with a family member. (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. In Beastmaster, Kiri plays both the warrior woman and love interest role. And we find out, eventually, that Kiri is, in fact, Dar's cousin. Mm-hmm. In this movie, Ator falls in love with his adoptive sister. Yeah, just like straight up. Her name is Sonya. And they just get married. As in Sonya Business? Exactly, Sonya Business. Does it? Who knew that Ator the Fighting Eagle would neatly fit into a category on the website Pornhub.com? Yeah, um, if this movie was on Pornhub, the title would be Dumb Blonde Fuck Stepsister. (laughs) 
the dumb blonde is Ator. Oh, it's true. He, okay, here's the thing. Dar? Dar, Dar, Dar kicks some ass, right? Like, we saw Dar kick some ass. Yes. Conan, all he does is kick ass. All he does like, is kick ass. He, he, the most famous quote in the movie is basically Conan saying, I love kicking ass. It's my favorite thing to do. Ator? Not, not too, I don't think he's like into kicking ass, and I don't think he's capable of kicking ass. We'll get into the fight scenes in a bit. That is one of the key differences between Beastmaster and Ator, I will say. Yeah. Um, similarities, another similarity between Ator and Beastmaster, uh, a quest for an enchanted weapon mm-hmm. related to their father that will lead to the defeat of the High Priest. I do feel like that's also a thing, in, but I guess Conan is more looking for like a metaphorical riddle of steel. Right. Then uh, the movie, in both cases, just decides that it's time for the hero to fight the bad guy. Uh-huh. And there's a raid on a temple uh, in which the, the bad guy is killed with the enchanted magic weapon. Mm-hmm. It is... So, so very similar. Shockingly so. In plot to Beastmaster. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they're both, they're both drinking deeply of the same well, but golly gosh. Now, okay, now let's get into some of the key differences. It's a stepsister instead of a cousin. <laughs> it sure is. Rune and Sonya are two different characters instead of one. Mm-hmm. And, as you mentioned, Ator doesn't do a lot of fighting. I think there might be a sum total of three fights in the movie. Mm-hmm. There, even though he is the fighting eagle, there's a fight at the village when it gets burned down that he only sort of participates in. Mm-hmm. There's a fight uh, when he first meets Rune... With some people that we found, we find out later that she robbed. Because here's Rune's deal: she's very greedy, which I actually do appreciate. You rarely get to see like, I, I mean, she she is not a character who has a ton of agency, but you rarely get to see like the like the beautiful Amazon warrior woman also just straight up be kind of shitty. I actually like the character of Rune a pretty good bit, like. She has a fairly good showing for a movie of this time period in this genre. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, there's no case of Ator trying to, like, take advantage of her. In fact, he tells her, like, I don't want to... Because there's one part where they're going to be forced to have sex. There, it's, there's a mating little bit. There's a part where they're well, like, oh, Ator, you got you to gotta give us an Amazon baby. You know, your favorite trope from Gen 13, number five. And... He's like, no, I don't, I don't want to do that. And she goes, okay, let's just go on an adventure. I'm going to go steal a bunch of treasure. Which I think is great. I think that's a great motivation for that character. Yes. I actually quite, like, I, I think she's better than expected, I think is probably the best way to put it. Like, she's not good, but better than expected, for sure. She's probably the best character in the movie. I mean, that's... It's not, not not a high bar to clear, but yeah. Um, and then the there's a big fight at the end 
uh, with Dakar and the rest of the the spider. Wait, the actor, the character Dakar, and his oh, okay. his black knights uh, at the temple. Now, a character that is represented here in this movie that is not in Beastmaster at all is the character of Griba, who is because on in Beastmaster the guy who saves the baby at the beginning of the movie is just, he's just Dar's adoptive dad, right? Mm -hmm. In this movie, what happens is Ator gets saved by Griba, and it is a very fucking weird scene where Griba just shows up after Ator's mom has given birth to him, and he just kind of puts his arms out, and Ator's mom is just like, here you go. Here's that baby. <laughs> like, there are no words exchanged between them. She doesn't try to stop him from taking the baby. She just hands him the fuck over. Yeah. Then she very quickly has her throat cut. Yes, by the, the Black Knights who have shown up to to take the baby. Then he takes Ator to the village where he gives Ator to his adoptive parents. And Griba says, like, don't bother learning who I am. You don't need to know me. You're never going to see me again, but I'm going to keep my eyes on you. Uh, you got to raise this kid right. Because he tells him, like, hey, if you raise this baby, I'll make sure you get food and stuff. And Sunya's dad, because Sunya is also a baby, Sunya's dad is like, oh, well, you know, we won't have to rely on the charity of the village if we do that. Because it looks like maybe he's got, like, a broken leg or something. They're not doing too great. They're, They're not doing uh, too great. Ator family, you know. But as it turns out, Griba's motivations aren't particularly benevolent. After the village gets burned down, Ator runs into Griba again. Griba trains him in like some fighting techniques and tells him these different rules for fighting, all of which are not the rules you expect. And because the fight choreography in this movie is the drizzling shits. Uh, quite bad. Um, there's one part where he's like, try to swing this sword at me. And Ator goes, are you sure? And he goes, yeah, swing the sword at me. And so Ator does. And it's the slowest duck you've ever seen. He's like, yeah, I'm going to show you. A Here's rule number one. And I thought rule number one was going to be like, you know, don't get overconfident. But rule number one is like literally duck. That's <laughs> yeah. a secret technique I use to kill this other warlord that you don't know about. So there's like some mentoring that Griba shows Ator through the whole thing. There's also, I should have mentioned when he was a baby, on. Griba rubbed some taco powder on Ator to remove a birthmark, which is the sign that he is, you know, the chosen one who's going to defeat the high priest. <laughs> Later in the movie, Griba removes that enchantment, and the birthmark comes back. So Ator defeats Dakar later in the movie. Griba, the actor? Uh, no, the character Dakar. Oh, okay. And Griba shows back up, and he's like, hey, thanks for doing that for me. See, I was mad because he, he replaced me as high priest. Now I can be the high priest again. And I can summon summon the Spider God, as I've been trying to do this whole time. Which I will admit I thought was actually a pretty dope twist. 
Yeah, yeah. So there's several different titles that are thrown around in this movie. There's the High Priest. Mm -hmm. There's the Ancient One. Yep. Who you kind of think is Dakar or the same, like the the High Priest and the Ancient One are the same thing. There's also the Spider King. Mm -hmm. And we continually see Dakar playing around with tarantulas. Yeah. Who plays him? uh, Dakar. The actor Dakar. Oh, okay. He's got tarantulas crawling around on his arms, uh, and he's just kind of like gently letting them crawl on him, and he'll like put out his finger and let them crawl onto his finger and onto his other arm. And it weirdly makes Dakar seem way more gentle and caring than I think the movie intends for him to be. (laughs) He weirdly comes off as like a super friendly dude, which is Kind of great, because he also looks like a Steven Universe character. Yeah, like, Rip Torn is chewing scenery and doing all he can to be, like, the very obvious bad guy in Beastmaster. Dakar does not go that way. In The actor. Yes, Dakar the actor does not go that way in Ator the Fighting okay. Eagle. Okay. But back to what I was saying about the, the fights... What Ator seems to have a lot more of than fights is what I kept calling as we watched the movie sex challenges. A very appropriate name for what he is doing. I was going to say good name, but like really nothing about it's good. He meets Rune's tribe, which is kind of an Amazon tribe. And they, you know, sort of were going to try to force him to like, you know, give them an Amazon child. And he figures his way out of that. There's another part where he meets this, like, she's basically a witch who, like, seduces him and shows him a vision of his stepsister with Dakar and shows that they're actually, like, happy together. And now she's, like, made a life with Dakar to try to, like, depress him and get him to forget about her. So he'll stay with this uh, witch whose name is Indun. Wait, did you did you find some... Like, information on something going on backstage between her and Dakar? No. I'm, I'm talking about the character Dakar, not the oh, actor. the character. I'm sorry. Okay. I got it. <laughs> this is so confusing. Before he can be fully enchanted by the witch, he is snapped out of it by Rune and the baby bear who show up. His, his little bear buddy comes in, and, like, the lady, the lady, the witch is like... I'm going to stop fucking Ator because there's a little bear in here and I cannot do this while I'm being watched by a little bear. I cannot abide a little baby bear. And then Rune shoots an arrow to like uncover a mirror. And the witch sees her own reflection in the mirror and turns into a fucking trauma films makeup job. (laughs) Uh, And then everybody just runs away, even though... Indun seems to be this like really powerful witch. There's this one part, this very weird scene where she shows Ator an owl and she's like, hey, see that owl? That used to be a prince and I turned him into an owl. And now he just has to sit there. Yeah, you see that owl? There's an owl on this movie set. Like we knew, we knew a guy with an owl. It's pretty cool, right? Like that might as well be what she was saying. <laughs> There's another part where Ator and Rune have to go steal a magical enchanted shield from within a cave. Oh, oh, what's it called? What's it called, Matt? 
what what name did this did this group that was very concerned about being sued about Conan? What did they call the shield again? It's called it's called the Shield of Mordor. Can you spell that for me, please? According to Amazon's captions, M O R D O R. Uh huh. That sounds very weirdly familiar. It does sound familiar. All I can figure is that these Italian filmmakers either had no familiarity with Lord of the Rings and somehow landed on the same thing, or they didn't give a fuck about the Tolkien estate. I have a theory. I know I know which one of those theories I subscribe to. I would love to hear it. Please tell me. Oh, it's that second one about how they don't give a fuck, because that is evident in every frame of this movie. Yeah, that's true. When they go get the the shield of Mordor, first they have to go like through this this room full of like blind blacksmiths who are hammering away on swords. And I would love to know what director Joe D'Amato thinks a blacksmith actually does. Apparently you hit a you hit a a very bent sword. And it's and, and it's not hot, it's cold. Yeah, and then you take a minute and you look at it, and then you you hit it again. That's what you do. That's that's the the art of blacksmithery. That's right. From that room, Ator and Rune go down a set of stairs into another room where the shield is. That also has a section that's full of treasure. In that room, Ator has a battle with a shadow. And what is probably the most creative scene of the whole movie? I do honestly think that's kind of dope. It's be- like it's bad, but the idea is solid, and like the staging is pretty cool. And I can see like the staging the- could definitely be better. But of all the fight scenes in the movie, it's clearly the best staged. It's the only time where you're like, I get what you were going for with this. Yeah, because all the other fight scenes are just dog shit. <laughs> drizzling, the drizzling shits, as they say. At le- yeah, at least that one, you're like, oh, that's a neat idea. Before it ends when Rune puts a, drapes some fabric over a light, and so the shadow goes away. <sighs> Which I also thought was really clever, because it's the way you would beat a shadow. Like, she actually just goes, yeah, you could just... Like, if you just turn the light off, there's no shadows. It's fine. One thing I, I have to say, and I don't know if it's on purpose or not, but Rune is so much smarter <laughs> than Ator is. Yeah, Rune Rune is actually pretty good. So, she does die at the end of the movie. Uh, because I guess somebody had to. And uh, that makeup job is very bad. It just looks like she put on her lipstick bad. When she's supposed to be bleeding from her mouth. And then at the end, we see Ator and Sonya running away together to live in married bliss over the closing credits to a song that sounds exactly like the theme music to the James Bond film, For Your Eyes Only. Very into it. I was very, very into it. That's the fastest we've gotten through the summary in a long time. All right, Chris. Let's uh, let's do some high points of Ator, the Fighting Eagle. 
I mean, you're not wrong about Rune actually being a – again, not good. You would never describe her as a good character, right? But she is clearly presented as the equal of Ator, if not better than him in most respects. Yeah, yeah. So the actress who plays Rune, her name is Sabrina Siani. She's probably the best actor in the movie. I would say in a in a walk. She does the best at mouthing English, believably. There uh-huh. are there are a few places where she gets off the track, but for the most part, she does pretty admirably at it. Do you want to guess her age when this movie was made? Uh, I really don't, but let's let's say I'm going to say like you're asking cuz she's either super young or older than we expect. So I'm going to say like 19, 18. She was 18. Yeah, okay, there we go. There we go. Which I would say is imp- is very impressive. Like she gives an impressive performance in this movie for to be an Italian trying to speak in English, doing a pretty good job of that, and portraying a character. Mm-hmm. She, she acquits herself pretty well in this movie full of otherwise very bad acting. Yeah, she's not bad. She's not bad. Also, uh, it, it, does, it is nice when Dakar is being gentle and nice with those spiders. The character? I mean, I guess we could say both the character and the actor in that case. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, that was, like, that's pretty good. Um, Miles O'Keefe is also ripped, which is nice. I said he was was somewhere in the middle of Mark Singer and Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah, it's, he's very much like the the slider between those dudes cuz Mark Singer is like in shape but looks like he runs a lot. But he's lean. Yeah. He's extremely yeah. lean. Very lean. Like I think probably functionally he is the most in shape of all of them. Fair. Arnold's got like just mass, you know, very yeah. very muscular. Miles O'Keefe weirdly right in the middle. Maybe a little closer to Mark Singer than Arnold Schwarzenegger, but but uh, built. He's in good shape. Um, yeah. Also, that baby bear is adorable. The baby bear is very good. The baby bear was very good. Also, the baby bear, um, not just adorable, he manages to save Rune, Rune from a cave-in by holding up his I'm little baby really bear not really sure arms. about how that worked. He holds up his little baby bear arms and pulls away the rocks. He does have little baby bear arms. I like the little baby bear. Very cute. And, like, real in a very like almost upsetting way, right? Yeah, he doesn't move fast. Ator and Rune are constantly leaving him behind. Mm-hmm. Hey, do you think that that if you if we had like a shared Ator Beastmaster timeline, mm-hmm. do you think that this little baby bear could be the bear that? attacked young Dar at the beginning of Beastmaster. Well, I mean, what you're positing, Matt, is that Ator is like a prequel to Beastmaster. Mm-hmm. That is that is Which my... 
that's the platform I'm coming in on. Well, that would track because we know from this film that this takes place at the end of the thousand-year reign of the Spider God. Correct. Which we find out, which is in, marked by uh, the which is marked by the uh, eruption of the volcano. Yeah, right. Like when the Earth shakes, like a uh, virgin being called to her nuptial bed. <laughs> That's a, <laughs> we'll get to some of the phrasings in this movie in the yeah. low points. Well, as the as the twenty six minute opening sequence tells us, I feel like it could be. So, do you think like Ator is like a like related? Like, is this like a a uh, Bj Blazkowicz is is the Doom guy's uh, grandfather situation? Or is this just he is another unrelated barbarian fighter man? You know, you've got Commander Keen in the middle of that, too. I do, yeah, but, like, I know. But no one cares. <laughs> I'm sorry, but no one cares about Commander Keen. I do. Do you? No. Um, yeah, I didn't think so. I don't know if they're related. I, I'll have to dig further into the lore for that. All right, Chris, let's dig into these low points of Ator the Fighting Eagle abysmally bad fight sequences. I mean, we've talked about it like no, no fight choreography, terribly shot. Like the camera is shaking all over the place. It doesn't look like anybody has been trained in stage fighting at all. (laughs) Just wild swinging. And like, it's boy, is it bad? Can I, just say that we just watched a movie where the entire plot, like, we're rooting for a guy to marry his fucking sister, and your number one low point is bad fight choreography. But the, the, the whole, okay, first of all, Beastmaster had a cousin romance. So we, uh-huh. we've been there before. Uh-huh. And two, it's not that far outside of, like, what you get with these like sword and sandal movies. Like, I I mean, look, it is weird, right? It's like, okay, here's, here's the thing. We got through that summary pretty quick. The first 20 minutes of this movie is about that. Like there's a long scene where, because first of all, Sonya looks like she's uh, 14 and uh, Miles O'Keefe looks like he is pushing 45. And they have a scene where it's like, Okay, you, he was we get married. Miles O'Keefe was 28 when this movie was released. It's also a, I mean, it, shockingly, Miles O'Keefe is not Italian. He's from Ripley, Tennessee. I mean, look, I'm not saying he it's not even legit. It's not even his fault that he looks like he's pushing 45 cuz they do have um the uh, hairstyle of every Glamour Shots portrait taken in 1989, um, like, belted to his head, and that ages you. It's true. And, you know, 28 in 1982 years is pretty different from 28 in 2018 years. Yeah, for sure. But, but I can't tell you the age of Ritza Brown, who played Sonya, because she does not have a Wikipedia page. But there is a clear age difference between the two of them, even though they're supposed to be the same age. And there's like a whole thing where it's like, hey, I love you. I wish, you know, but you know, dad's not going to let us get married because you're my sister. 
And then uh it's it's not even that though. Ator tells Sonya, I love you so much. I love you so much. We should get married. And Sonya goes, We can't, we're brother and sister. And Ator's reaction to that is, I'll ask Dad. Yeah, look, I'll talk to Dad about it. And then like he comes up to to, to Papa Ator uh with a with like a well considered argument where he's like, So you know how you know how the ancients used to marry their sisters? Like you wouldn't you don't think the ancients were like bad people, right? Like he's it is the Hyborian age equivalent of being like, well, you know, like it, in Japan the age of consent is different, you know? <laughs> so this this anime is actually fine. It's buck wild and it goes on and then they are married by someone well, who looks like David Bowie, which is a high point. The dad gets mega excited and says, oh, oh, you're not actually related. You're not actually biologically brother and sister. We adopted you. Yeah. And then he and then he goes on. He literally says this This is the life of the way. He's like, you suckled from the same teat, but you're not. And I'm like, my dude, you are not making this seem better. Or less yes. weird. Yes, because this movie is full of weird fucking phrasings, weird fucking ways to say things. Uh-huh. The you suckle from the same teat thing, the the volcano erupting like the shivering of a virgin. Like, I don't know if it's the result of non-English speakers writing the script and and coming up with some weird idioms, or this being like this close to some kind of fetish porn stuff. It has the feeling of something that was maybe put in for a particular audience. Look, I'm just, well, I mean, there is one like very egregious, unnecessary, uh, like bathing shot of rune in the movie, which seems comes out of nowhere. It definitely feels like this is the work of the director of, uh, porno holocaust <laughs> no oh he directed porno holocaust you know what else he directed orgasmo not not orgasmo the the master and trey parker movie no he directed the 1969 film orgasmo oh, wait, oh okay no he didn't direct it he was a cameraman on it sorry oh, well you know you gotta you gotta make your bones so you gotta pay your dues man the director of Mondo Erotico and the number of a number of different Emmanuel films, it's got his stamp on it. It's it, here's the. It wouldn't be as weird if the movie did not spend as much time justifying why it's not weird. It's you're right. Uh, let me read you a an, a. Uh, chronological list of some more of uh, Joe D'Amato's films. Um, like, okay, so we got Erotic Nights of the Living Dead, right? Uh, the next movie is Porno Asodic Love. Uh, after that is Anthropophagus. Then we have Blue Erotic Climax. Then Porno Holocaust. Then Super Climax. Then Hard Sensation. Then Paradiso Blue. Uh, then Orgasmo Nero. La Era de Tire Super Porno, and then Porno Video. Now, is Blue Erotic Climax, um, is that the one where you start off with Squirtle? <laughs> yeah, the Red Erotic Climax is 
uh, Charizard, I think. Char- Charmander, but Charmander. Yeah, you, sorry, you I'm, trying. Close, I'm trying. I'm hey, trying. Um, I appreciated it. I appreciate it, but he made a movie that was straight up called Porno Video. <laughs> he's he's an honest man, and I don't know why you are not giving him credit for being an honest man. I I am giving him credit for that, but I, what I'm saying is his stamp is on this movie. Yeah, there's there's not um not a lot of getting around from my fellow here. Like he he's he's in the building. See, that's high points, I guess. Oh, we were already into low points. Are we into low points? Yeah. Okay. Uh, like our high point was not that Ator wanted to fuck his sister. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. Any more low points? Um. The the whole plot is bad. Yeah. The whole plot is just extremely bad because it's, it's like it's the plot it's like of halfway Beastmaster. Through the, they're like this should be about mirrors. It's the plot of Beastmaster but paced so excruciatingly. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. like the adventures in the middle of the movie, the second act, which is also the part where Beastmaster drags a little bit. In this movie, it drags and drags and drags. Like, it just feels like they're adding more stuff for him to do to make the movie longer. Yeah, yeah. It's... I said at the beginning that it has the uh, the feeling of your first D&D campaign, and I feel like that is... It's strength and it's weakness. Chris, have you ever seen a movie where, like... Por- the Porno Holocaust? No. Yeah. No, I'm one. Have you ever seen a movie where, on the box, there's, like, you know, one of those little bursts with text in it, and it says, feature length? <laughs> like, it's, like, it's an accomplishment that they got it to feature length? That's this movie. All right, let's give our final thoughts on Ator the Fighting Eagle. This is going to be like our shortest episode ever, but yeah, it's not good. I think we've had other episodes that are around an hour. No, it's not good. I vaguely remember the Cave Dweller Dwellers episode of Mystery Science Theater 3000, and I do think that the the sequels to Ator are weirder mm-hmm. than this one. If we could roll up into Ator 4, I would be stoked. But I have no interest in 2 or 3, having watched this one. Yeah, I mean, 2 is already available as Mystery Science Theater, so I'm I'm not interested in doing that. Yeah. If we can find Ator 4, then, then let's go for that. But, as we did last time, I want to go through the recommended films under Ator to see what we might consider doing for the next... Oh, I've th- already picked out two. You've already picked out two for the next Nonan? For the next Nonan, yes. Because I, I think we're probably just going to do one more. <laughs> yeah, I, I... Okay. We might have to do two. Because here's the thing. Uh, I have picked out 1982's Hundra. Okay, I Hundra definitely caught my attention as well. That's the sole survivor of a female tribe of warrior breeders' journeys to find a suitable mate. That one will be bad. Also made in 1982. Yeah, which I feel like is crude. Like, I feel like we should get the the spectrum of shitty sword and sorcery movies 
from 1982. Uh, the other one I picked out, Matt, it's the obvious one. It's Sinbad and the War of the Furies starring WWE superstar John Morrison. Yep, I saw. I I also immediately saw that one. Um, we might get around to that one. We're definitely doing Hundra. We've got to do Hundra. Because all of these have to be like just just full on Conan ripoffs, right? Yeah, but I feel like Hundra is gonna take this in a very unpleasantly erotic direction. As if Ator didn't already do that. Yeah. Alright. Hundra's next. We'll see how it goes. It is definitely our third Conan ripoff in the Nonan series. Hey, Matt. Uh-huh. Can I just say real quick before we get out of here, the top review of Hundra, the top customer review, breaks it down into a bullet point list, and number one is, your morality slash political leaning doesn't matter. Check it at the door on your way in or find another movie genre that fits your views. So this is going to be good. Um, according to according to Wikipedia, Monster Pictures stated that Hundra was one of the great underrated films of the era. Look, if we could get one, because uh, okay, so here's the standing so far. Beastmaster is not as good as you remember. No, but it's still fun. Beastmaster Two is that like Beastmaster Two? Straight rules. I will tell you that right now. If we could, if we could get the portal of time, or dare I say it, even the Eye of Braxus, then I think we'd be in good shape. Ator, the Fighting Eagle, which had very little fighting and zero eagles. One statue of an eagle. One statue of an eagle, and the birthmark was in the shape of an eagle, sort of. Bad, just flat bad. I am craving an underrated one of these because I do like shitty fantasy movies. All right, we're going to give Hundra a go next time on Movie Fighters. And then maybe No Nans will continue after that, or then we'll be done with it. I think it depends on how Hundra is. (laughs) So come back for that. That's going to wrap us up for Movie Fighters for February. Our Music is by Michael Kill. Our website was designed by Sean Bogus. The Snack Situation theme is by Matt Fisher. If you would like to email us with a movie suggestion or anything else, you can do that at moviefighterscast at gmail.com. If you want to send us some snacks, you can do it at that email address or ask us where to send them. Um, As we mentioned, we just got some Ecuadorian snacks that we're going to try on Snack Situation in the near future. And uh, be sure to help us out on Patreon. Head over to patreon.com slash warrocketajax to kick in some money for movie fighters, snack situation, every story ever specials on the other show, uh, all that stuff to keep going. And uh, you'd be doing us a big help. And that's it for this relatively short and bliss. I think that's probably a good thing that we didn't talk more about Ator or Ator. Because it was very bad. Yeah, there's not much to it, and what is there is not good. See you in March, everybody. Bye. We love you.
This has been a Kaleidos Media production. Hi, welcome to this Subway ad for the new Chibata collection. How do you want it? Ooh, I'll take the slam poetry. Sure. <clears throat> Italian Chibata with fresh mozzarella. When hunger reigns, you're my flavor umbrella. Tasty garlic steak and provolone. With you, my taste buds are never alone. Savory chicken pesto, you have my affection. For you complete the Chibata collection. Thank you. Get them before they're gone at Subway. Limited time only at participating restaurants. Hi, welcome to this Subway ad for the new Chibata collection. How do you want it? Ooh, I'll take the slam poetry. Sure. <clears throat> Italian Chibata with fresh mozzarella. When hunger reigns, you're my flavor umbrella. Tasty garlic steak and provolone. With you, my taste buds are never alone. Savory chicken pesto, you have my affection. For you complete the Chibata collection. Thank you. Get them before they're gone at Subway. Limited time only at participating restaurants.